I'm Dooner here with the dude, Michael Vincent, a.k.a. the mewling, idle-headed hugger-mugger. Hugger. I've been called that many, many times, Fred. <laughs> it's a beautiful spring Earth Day here from Chattanooga, oh, yeah. the heart of Fred Alley. How are you doing, my friend, and unmuzzled, rough-hewn flap-dragon? Hey, you know, anytime I can <laughs> flap-dragon at a live event like this on Earth Day, it is a brilliant and beautiful day. As you <laughs> mentioned, we are coming to you live on this Earth Day from our Net Zero Carbon Summit also happens to be my two-year anniversary, so I'm going to give a little hey. self-cowbell. Yeah, a little self-cowbell. Congratulations. A little two taps on the, nice. uh, on the instrument there. You know, it's been, it's been a great event, and right before we came up, shortly hmm. before we came up, we debuted a new product in Sonar that addresses this t- today's event very well. It's called Sonar nice. FCI. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, so FreightWaves Carbon uh, Intelligence, right? Yeah. It's, I, I think it's, it's, it's absolutely brilliant, right? It's the first time that I saw it. I read the article today on, on FreightWaves.com. You can see that. But also watching uh, Craig and Travis uh, uh, debut this, it's, it's, it's really awesome. So it, it, you can benchmark your performance in, in, in carbon, your carbon footprint, right? By putting in different shipping specifications, et cetera, services needed, route, weight, et cetera. And it can even give you guidance and suggestions on how to do it uh, and how to, how to improve that. Uh, through different modes, et cetera. Uh, but also, uh, the features within it is you can actually start putting in information and, and gauge your vendors and Absolutely. start coring them. Yeah, no, it, it's super powerful stuff. If you didn't catch the demo earlier, catch it on demand. You'll see exactly how it works and what went into it and why it is important. We also have a great article on FreightWaves.com, which speaks about it a little bit more. We also yeah. had a great keynote today with our proud president, George Abernathy, and Craig Harper, who's the chief sustainability officer and executive vice president over at J.B. Hunt Transportation Services. And they were talking about how getting to net zero isn't all about fuel. It also isn't all about some sort of groundbreaking brand new technology, right? You can be efficient with what you have now. And one of the easiest ways, and we talked about this in our own open, was getting rid of those empty calories of freight. Yeah, Those exactly. empty miles. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, better efficiencies, better use of your, of your idle time, uh, the cube utilization that you have, network op- optimization, if you will, and mode. Yeah. If, if it doesn't have to be there overnight or two days, intermodal. Yeah. Right? We're going we're gonna to hear from a lot of wonderful guests on this show today. If you're not familiar what the truck's a podcast that happens when there's not events three times a week, Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays, 12 noon Eastern time, then available on demand on the FreightWays TV app on video and on audio podcast. Just look up what the truck wherever you get podcasts. We want to thank a couple of our sponsors today. We have Transporian, Bloom Global, Zoom, and Convoy+. Plus. If you're watching us on social media and the event's still going live, go to live.freightwaves.com, register, and you can win this beautiful Cannondale bike and start offsetting your carbon footprint right now. Yeah. But you know what? Let's jump over to our, uh, to our first guest, right? Oh, let's do it. Let's bring him on up. It is, it's uh, Glenn. It's um, Glenn Jones. He's the Global VP of Product yeah. Strategy over at Bloom Global, and we're going to talk a little about a little bit about eliminating unnecessary carbon emissions from the supply chain. Glenn, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it, guys. Um, great show today. Hey, let's just give a little brief intro here, just set the table. So uh, who are you and who's Bloom Global? So I'm, uh, I'm the VP of uh, product strategy here at Bloom Global. I've uh, been here, you know, two and a half years. Uh, and Bloom 
provide, uh, we're a Silicon Valley-based technology provider. Uh, we enable companies to move uh, goods through uh, multi, we specialize in multimodal. So we specialize in ocean, air, rail, and, and of course, road. Uh, we support uh, truckload, less than truckload, parcel, pretty much across the board. Uh, and we're very focused on, uh, in addition to efficiencies, uh, being able to you know, enable sustainability. So you mentioned that you guys are focused on efficiencies, right? And Bloom Global contends that there is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. What are the common types of this waste that you see, and how can supply chain technologies uh, solutions help eliminate this waste? Yeah, so uh, a, a lot of what you've talked about this morning, it's, uh, it's about vessel emissions, train emissions, planes, trucks. Uh, they all admit, uh, at least today, as, as uh, before, as, as they grow into the more elect- until they get into the electric mode, um, these all, uh, and, and so it's about optimizing those moves. It's about uh, selecting the right kind of uh, carriers, the right modes, uh, reducing empty miles is extremely important. Uh, optimizing routes is extremely important, and uh, and then and then you know as a technology providers, we really try to focus on transparency. And so, how can we make uh, not only you know uh, cost transparency and uh, uh, you know uh, during the carrier selection process, during route selection process, how do you also make the carbon CO two emissions and kind of back to your FCI initiatives and. Uh, and bringing those up at the right time. So how do you feel about, so Biden put out a, a statement mm. yesterday on the 21st, yeah. and he was talking about cutting greenhouse emissions by about 50% by 2030. How do we get there, and where does Bloom fit into that? So it's, it's, it's extremely important uh, as you know, companies become uh, more aware. It's important that they make choices. So uh, again, today, a lot of the choices on carrier selection are made around uh, pure cost or they're made on cost and on-time performance. And so in order to meet these objectives, you know, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. And, and this is across you know, the, the big mode. This is across ocean, this is uh, looking at the different types of, uh, of flights and in, in aircraft and, and also trains. And every one of these different uh, companies that, uh, uh, that enable these modes, they, are, uh, they, they do have initiatives in place to reduce CO2 emissions by, of course, the uh, uh, FMC has driven the uh, uh, reduction in, in ocean through the either scrubbers or the low sulfur fuels. And so it's, in, but, but again, it's important as you're going through the process to be able to make sure you're selecting and taking the CO2 emissions into consideration as you're selecting these modes. And that'll go a long ways, you know, until we're able to get more uh, electrical and, and, and uh, f- uh, more fuel efficient systems in place. Excellent. We talked about route optimization and technology, scrubbers, that type of stuff for this. How else can supply chain uh, stakeholders reduce their carbon emissions? And can, can Bloom Global uh, uh, help companies measure their carbon emissions and help them reduce it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, in the end, you do wind up uh, selecting the mode, you select the carriers. And and so uh, once that happens, you know, 
Bloom and other technology providers need to make it transparent as to how what is the CO2 emissions. And so as you're going from you know Shenzhen, China to the port of LA or to Port of Rotterdam, uh, you know, that vessel makes a track. Every vessel has a different carbon footprint. And so uh, as that vessel or the truck or the train makes its journey, uh, we do track those emissions and we make those uh, visible back. And that enables the, uh, uh, our users or our customer base to invest in the carbon offset programs, which for today, that's the best way that you can kind of combat and, and, uh, and address these issues. Well, let me ask you this. Bloom recently decided to go carbon neutral, right? Why did you make that decision? You're getting on the bandwagon a, a little bit early. Is there any risk in doing that? And how are you going to get? How are you going to get there? No, we are. Uh, we're very focused on that. Uh, our culture here is is very much, uh, you know, aligned with uh, uh, the economy and, and the ecology. And so, you know, we uh, uh, it, it's a part. Of, and of course, you know, we're not too far from Berkeley around here, and we hire people out of that. And so, it's important. You know, we're seeing more and more of the people that we hire, especially in the Bay Area, but I'll just say across uh, across the world, they're asking questions like. Uh, you know, uh, what is Bloom doing to, to uh, uh, you know, save the ecology and to invest? And so it's important to us, you know, not only as a company, and, and, uh, but also into our recruiting and hiring. And so, you know, what is the risk? Uh, it does cost some money. And so we have to invest back into these uh, carbon offset. There's, uh, you know, of course, you know, the COVID uh, you know, one of one of the byproducts of it is a lot of people are working remote, and so they're not traveling so much. But that will change over the next year. People will be getting our our cup will be getting back on planes. We'll getting uh, and and will people will be driving uh, employees will be driving back into work, and so we're tracking that very closely. And we are investing back into carbon offset programs today to uh, have a carbon neutral uh, company. Excellent, excellent, Glenn. It, it is very, very important for a company to have a great uh, corporate sustainability uh, narrative and keep that strong. But for our listeners, what can our listeners do to help drive reductions in CO2 emissions caused by the supply chains? Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, again, you know, taking technologies like your uh, FCI into consideration, you know, using, uh, again, we provide back the, uh, uh, the carbon footprint of the different moves and, and then, you know, making sure that uh, they invest back into uh, carbon neutral programs, at least until the, the carrier networks and, uh, and the suppliers of transportation can, you know, uh, put, put automate or put electronic vehicles and other forms into, in, into production. Uh, I believe there's a survey as well, right, that Bloom and Freightways are collaborating on um, and you want yeah. some input. Do you know how they'd go about doing that? Uh, yeah, the survey is, uh, it should be coming out soon. And so I believe it's going to be, uh, uh, an email. I, I may be wrong on this. And so please, uh, respond, uh, where it'll go out to a broad uh, and we'll take, uh, we'll take those results into consideration as we make, you know, plans going forward into, uh, into our different initiatives and, and the technology that we provide. Thank you so much for your time today, Glenn. We really appreciate it. And thanks for doing that great work over at Bloom. Thanks, guys. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate Thanks, the Glenn. opportunity. Now we're going to welcome to the show out of Tel Aviv, 
Israel. It's a true global event here. Daniela Perlmutter, she's the SVP of marketing over at Bring, and she's going to talk about something we talked a little bit about yesterday. We kind of set the table for this on What the Truck, talking about solving the equation of the delivery man problem with so yeah, much exactly. routing they have to go on. She's going to talk about bring sustainability to the last mile, final mile, whichever way you like to call it. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Hey, Daniela, so just introduce so, yourself real quick to the audience here. Yeah, so quickly, as you said, I'm, uh, we're based in Tel Aviv. Uh, really what Bring does, you know, in just a couple of words, we, we're a SaaS provider. Uh, we have a cloud platform that is really focused on, on helping retailers and logistics providers um, manage, scale up, and optimize their delivery and fulfillment um, operations really in the, in the final mile, in the last mile. Um, and as you said uh, very clearly, the the last mile delivery is is has a huge impact on the carbon emissions. And we launched two days ago, really the uh, bring Go- bring green. It's uh, a, a sustainability uh, tech practice, really focused on enabling logistics providers and retailers to um, to get really to this um, to the to their commitments to the net zero. Uh, carbon uh, emissions pledge that they have. Um, and we do that really with, you know, first of all, providing the best practices on how to really do it. You know, everybody uh, has commitments and, and, you know, we have uh, over 100 companies uh, who took the, the pledge, the climate pledge, right? But the issue is that uh, they don't necessarily know how to reduce the carbon emission. You know, what needs to be done? Um, how do you report on it? What do you measure? How do you report? How do you track it? Um, and then how do you improve it? So this is one one uh, crucial part of, of the practice. And secondly, it's actually the technology, bringing with the technology, the, the route optimization, um, together with the incentives also to consumers. Uh, yes, to be absolutely. Able really to absolutely, Danielle. We agree 100%. Danielle, we were talking about earlier about the uh, e-commerce and is it good for the sustainability perspective or from a, from a sustainability perspective having this discussion? What are your thoughts on that? So actually, you know, when, we, when you think of e-commerce, it means a lot of deliveries, right? A lot of deliveries means a lot of vehicles on the road, and that could essentially uh, also increase the carbon emission, right? Um, the thing is that when you think of the alternative of going in-store and shopping in-store, it means that people individually are on the road and they go into the store and then they get even higher carbon emission. So what we're seeing is that on the one hand, the e-commerce is driving more deliveries. Um, on the other hand, it's still uh, less, um, um, I would say, damage, uh, less damage to the carbon emission um, if, if we do deliveries. And we have some several tips to really increase, actually, this uh, the ability to reduce the carbon emission. Wow. Okay. So here, this is great. And I, and I love what I'm hearing today, not just on yeah. the show, but from all of these speakers. And it sounds like there's been a shift in sustainability awareness. And a lot more people are getting on, on the bus, the green bus, the electric bus. Is, is that true? Is awareness increasing, especially at a corporate level? Oh, definitely. We, we're actually seeing it across the board. Also with um, with our existing customers and with uh, people that we're talking to, the the net zero uh, carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. 
Um, and it really has uh, several facets to it. First of all is, you know, how do they um, um, uh, optimize their routes and reduce uh, the deliveries, the amount of delivery uh, time on the, uh, the amount of uh, vehicles on the road. Uh, secondly, it's how do we uh, enable also consumers to get the choice to also uh, decide if they want green deliveries um, or not and maybe wait a bit longer for delivery. And, and lastly is really how do we make the drivers more efficient in their deliveries and have uh, full truckloads rather than less than uh, full truckloads to really enable uh, less, less time on the road. Yes, absolutely. You know, we talked, uh, Danielle, about uh, Danielle about the uh, motivations behind this for the different companies, uh, recruiting, sustaining, uh, you know, just their altruistic motives. Obviously, they care about the earth and they want to re- reduce it, but also profitability, uh, vendor compliance, et cetera. How important, though, is the politics behind this, like the U.S. rejoining the Paris Agreement, for instance? So first of all, I think it's very it's very important because you know the the several the several factors driving uh, their commitments of corporates of businesses, um, and the political environment is important. What we're seeing is that it's also creating more and more businesses investing and demanding their fleets and their and their partners in the supply chain to become more green. So whether it's uh, taking fleets that have more electric vehicles or uh, making sure that they also buy to uh, the regulation and the pledges. And that has a, a tremendous impact on the entire value chain, the entire ecosystem. What are retailers saying about this? They obviously play a big part. Oh, yeah. Retailers, actually, they, we know that um, a lot of retailers are taking more and more uh, pledges and more and more um, commitments and uh, very um, specific targets for the net zero emissions. Uh, we've got um, um, uh, companies, uh, customers, retail customers, who actually are um, committing to have net zero emissions, you know, by 2024 and 2025, within four and five years. And what they're doing about it is, on the one hand, choosing uh, fleets that are more green with electric vehicles, and on the other hand, they're also using it as a brand differentiation to drive the loyalty of their consumers. You know, showing that they're also greener and they're better for the environment. So that would be also another means to create the differentiation in the industry. Yeah, excellent. You know, one of the best ways, and we've talked about this, uh, to immediately address emissions is to cut the fat out of the empty miles, right? The empty calories of Mm -hmm. miles, as we call them there. Would you agree with that? Definitely, definitely. And, you know, what we're seeing is um, actually that that when we surveyed also the retailers uh, in the industry in the beginning of the year in January, we saw that um, 34% of retailers have different initiatives to really drive um, uh, the the reduction of of the carbon emission. And the way they do that is also the ability to batch orders together. So if you think of it, if you have a vehicle with one order or a vehicle with a full truckload um, of several orders batched together, that enables really to reduce the carbon emission by 55 and 60 percent even. So that is something that we're seeing much more emphasis on, you know, driving really and enabling. It's really using technology to enable the, the batching of the orders and sending the full truckloads. Daniela, excellent work. Thank you so much for your time today. We very much appreciate it over here at Net Zero Carbon Summit. Take care. 
And then we're going to welcome up Rick Zulo. He's the co-founder and general partner over at Equal Ventures. And he wants to talk about the Montgomery Burns principle in action. I Go green it. while making green. And I believe <laughs> I Montgomery it. Burns is, is Mr. Burns from The Simpsons, is he not? <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Excited to be here. So, I, I love know, the I reference. Think, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, who, who didn't grow up on The Simpsons? Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, it all goes back to exactly what you guys were just talking about. It's about cutting the fat and waste out of the industry, which we all know that there's plenty of opportunity to do that blocking, tackling the supply chain industry. But what we call the Montgomery Burns principle, and you know, for those who don't know, who who didn't grow up on The Simpsons like I did, uh, you know, Montgomery Burns is an evil capitalistic billionaire from 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 The Simpsons show. And we ask ourselves as we're looking at anything that has a sustainability imperative to it, is this something that a ruthless, heart, heartless, brutal capitalist would do? absent of any you know, sustainability imperative that, that is in place. And we think that's really, really critical to make sure that they're getting the mainstream adoption you know, for the folks who may not value climate change and, and climate-related initiatives as much as uh, uh, you know, everybody else. So that's a big part of our evaluation framework, and we're excited to see some exciting uh, opportunities uh, that, that are at the nexus of supply chain and climate that do that. Now, as an investor, though, you're looking for, I mean, you got to manage your risk, but you're also looking for home runs. Cleantech has had bubbles before, but do you think that it's going to be more sustained now? The world's more ready for it, and uh, as are the politics and legislation behind it? Well, I think we need to learn from the lessons from the past. So uh, I had a really interesting seat, you know, uh, a decade or so ago. You know, I was working in the Department of Energy. I was working in consulting. Uh, uh, you know, I did a lot of work on that kind of forefront of clean tech, both on the supply and the demand side. And, you know, we were investing in a lot of things that we didn't have any clue what we were talking about. If you're going to look at a manufacturing business or a power generation company, which are largely commodity in industries, and, and treat them the same way that you're going to treat a software company. You know, it, it's just a different, uh, you know, type of exercise. It's a different type of investor and capital structure that's required. So I look at this phase of climate tech, which clean tech is now a very, very dirty word that, you know, we're not allowed to say, but climate tech uh, provides a lot of opportunity, I think, in this day and age because the digital infrastructure is there. You know, we now can go and find ways to increase the utility of uh, you know, power generation. We can make buildings smarter. We can make supply chains smarter. And all that isn't game-changing breakthrough technology risk. It's just you know, blocking and tackling and increasing transparency, helping people make better decisions. It's helping uh, put better price incentives for people to reduce economic waste, which in turn, is also going to have a ton of environmental benefit to it. So we get excited about solutions like that. There's going to be people who are inventing, you know, net zero trucks. And we love the fact that people are focused on that and investing technology breakthroughs. You know, uh, we're really making sure that we're, uh, uh, there's a good story about NASA, Urban Myth, uh, you know, uh, spending millions of dollars to make, uh, you know, pens that work in space while the Russians were, were just using pencils. And while that story is largely incorrect, that's really what we're focused on. We want to find those pragmatic solutions that can be put in place today, you know, uh, down to the driver or warehouse worker that enable people to make economically smart decisions that also have a positive impact on the environment. So, Rick, that's an excellent answer because it, it brings about the fact that it doesn't have to be this groundbreaking tech, right? Just like you said, basic blocking and tackling. Let me ask you this. What, what are the things that got you most excited? What are you most interested in now in this, in this new clean tech or climate tech, whatever you want to call it? Yeah. So, so to be clear, uh, our, our firm is really focused on five core sectors, 
and uh, supply chain solutions as well as climate are, are, are two of those. So, you know, we really invest at, at the nexus of those. And, you know, we're excited uh, to, to work with companies like SmartHop that, that we feel sit at that. And, you know, I'm also on the board of an energy company that's a retail energy provider uh, called, called uh, David Energy that we think, you know, has some amazing commercial industrial applications as well. And um, But, you know, what we're really, really focused on is cutting the fat out of the industry. So, you know, when I look at a solution like SmartHop and, and while that's not a sustainability company in name, it is a trucking company. We provide business-in-a-box infrastructure for long tail of truck drivers. But if you're looking at the Pepsis or AB InBev, you know, and Walmarts of the world, they're going to be the early adopters of uh, sustainability-oriented solutions because they have the corporate accountability. Uh, the two of you know that most of the drivers on the road today, you know, they're not working at those big places. Ninety percent of drivers are. are in the long tail. So how can we find ways to reduce dead haul uh, you know, rates and make these drivers make both economically smarter decisions to you know, meet the demand needs of today's market, which obviously, you know, we're, we're, we're in a supply constrained, uh, you know, environment, uh, you know, right now uh, in freight, but also make sure that they're doing it more efficiently by ripping the miles out of the road that don't need to be there. So SmartHop's done an excellent job of that and as sustainability act, uh, advocates, you know, at big shippers and brokers who are doing that. But um, the drivers that we work with don't think of this as a sustainability play. They think, how is this a way that I can make more money? And that's what we love. We love to put money, you know, in the hands of drivers. So we want to take those same lessons of, you know, economic environmental impact together, you know, and, and find ways to get creative with business models, new platforms, you know, across some of these themes. And I think, you know, your last speaker, uh, last mile micro fulfillment, you know, incredibly interesting space, lots of, you know, wood to chop there. You know, we think reverse logistics and circular economy infrastructure, you know, we're spending a lot of time with, uh, with companies in that space, uh, think that there's a lot of opportunity there uh, and that the legacy logistics providers really aren't well positioned for uh, um, that kind of, uh, you know, circular process. Uh, and we're also spending a ton of time on electrification, and that's both on the road with trucks and EV infrastructure, but also in commercial industrial uh, applications like warehouses, where these are tremendously high cost centers. I mean, this sounds like, you know, a term like supply chain, it makes people think, oh, everything's interlinked and going in the same direction. It's not. It's mm -hmm. a big it's a big mess. And it takes collaboration. It takes all the intermediaries wanting to work together. This can't happen in a vacuum. So how important is making that happen? It, it's absolutely 100 percent paramount. And I'm really glad that you said that, because I think, you know, one of the challenges and, and, and frankly, why we exist as a firm is we want to bring that native mindset to these industries that we're in. And I think anyone who's in trucking knows that it's not a two-sided marketplace. It's a system. It's a web. It's a spider web of a thousand different interdependencies that you need to have. And being able to go and figure out how you can bring people together. And I think companies like Project 44, I'm a personal investor in that company, uh, you know, do a tremendous job to embrace transparency you know, in the supply chain and, and make it so that we can all interoperate better together. But it also requires a little bit of cultural change. And that means that we got to find ways to bring the industry incumbents and the innovators and hopefully the investors to fund some of this all together in one, one room. And we call those the three eyes. That's really what we're about. Well, you know, our objective is to bridge the digital divide and that is bringing all these sides together so that we can have increased transparency, increased collaboration, which, you know, for better or worse, you know, we believe less in disruption and more in how do we coalesce all these industry groups together to really enact change, which we think is required for a system that has hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars moving through in the U.S. alone. Rick, thank you so much for your time today. Sounds like you're on the right path. We really appreciate it. Your insights. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. You have a good one. Take care.
I love that he said it's not about disruption too, because that's one of my qualms about like marketing and logistics. Like disruption may work like on almost every other field is a great marketing term. Yeah. In supply chain, we don't want disruption. It's not a good term. No. Of course, no. We don't want disruption. <laughs> so now no, we're going to we talk to Stefan Cyber. He's the uh, Cyber. He is the CEO over at Transporian. I believe he's coming into us out of Germany. Stefan, guten Abend. Good evening. Guten Abend from Germany. How are you guys? <laughs> How's it going, my friend? Introduce yourself real quick to our lovely uh, American audience and global audience. Yeah. So as, as I was introduced, Stefan Sieber, I'm the CEO of Transporion. We are a Germany-based logistics platform, digital logistics platform. Beautiful. Well, sustainability and a path to net zero is increasingly coming into focus for supply chains. You've heard all about it all day here today, right? Yep. No matter which industry you're in, they're acting well, particularly for supply chain. Which areas, though, do you see in particular that have the most potential for optimization? Well, I mean, I think we heard the whole day um, about many potentials that we can address. And, and I liked actually one of the speakers just before that said, you know, we, we, we don't have to wait for disruption. We're not even looking for disruption. It's really the basic blocking and tackling, as I guess you summarized it, right? And this is what we should start with, because I, I think we don't have the time to just wait for non-fossil fuels and e-mobility, which is going to come, and hopefully, right? And, and thankfully, but I think there is also in the current means already so much that we can improve by just improving asset utilization and reducing empty miles wait times, right? There's a 5.5 billion economical damage every year just in the U.S. on underutilization of asset. Now, that's an economical damage, but there is also an ecological damage coming out of that. And addressing this is a good starting point. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't realize it was that big of an economic impact, but it's it's unbelievably large. So tell us, how can Transporian help industry stakeholders and carriers and shippers to reduce their CO2 emissions? Where do you guys come into play? Yeah, so we are committed to, as we call it, bring transportation in sync with the world. That's uh, that's sort of our purpose. That's our why, right? That's why we get up in the morning. That's why we do what we do all day long. Because when you look at transportation, it is not in sync with the world, right? There's a massive lack of transparency. There is a lack of interoperability. We heard just that before. And there is a lack of digital decision support. Now, we do take three ingredients, right? We, we do take data, connectivity, and real-time insight. And by combining this, we do provide applications to the participants in our network, on our platform, to improve the ecological footprint, right? I'll give you a few examples. We provide a connecting load agent, which is a, a, an algorithm that provides a shipper when the shipper wants to put and assign a transport on our platform, a list of carriers, his carriers that are close by unloading within a certain circle around his loading station in the near future. So he can then automatically select the carrier that gets a good backload or a good follow-up load which is not only an ecological you know, advantage, it also creates a good business opportunity for both, hopefully, right? Um, another example is a, a fleet viewer that we recently launched that shows to dispatchers on the carrier side, which are the lanes where they have most you know, empty runs or most idle capacity, and how can they reduce this to improve the asset utilization? You know, I used to work at a 4PL, and one of the things we would do is that route optimization. We would put, you know, we'd do the RFP, we'd put everything into a TMS, we'd run the route optimization. Yep. Lo and behold, you would save tons and tons of miles and tons and tons of money. And it makes you think, 
why isn't this standard? Why is there a resi- why isn't every company doing this? And why are we talking so much about reducing these empty miles and trying to drill that home? Why isn't it just common knowledge at this point? You know, I think I think the uh, to some extent we can say that our industry is still a bit behind the levels of digitalization that we see in other industries, right? And 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 the industry as a result is very fragmented in very different ways, right? Uh, we heard about the di- different technology platforms that are in place. We we heard about the communication uh, channels, the communication ways that in many ways are broken, and 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 require a lot of manual and human interaction. And, and, and the result is that we're, we're not talking about a network. We're talking about a multitude of subscale mini networks that need to, that need to be optimized in themselves. And, and, and when you look at the network logic that basically says that the value of a network improves disproportionately with every additional participant coming, right, that exponential improvement actually unfortunately also counts on the exponential, you know, uh, worsening of the effect. So these subscale mini networks, you can only optimize them to a certain extent. And and we believe that increasing interoperability, increasing the scale and the size of a network increases disproportionately the amount of optimization that one can achieve. And that's in sort of where we talk about the matchmaking function of our digital platform, which is, as I call it, the icing on the platform cake and brings the market into equilibrium, i.e. matching supply and demand much faster and more efficient than ever before. And that's, again, an economical as well as an ecological advance for all the participants. Yeah. So, uh, Stefan, it, it sounds like you're, you're talking about transparent can help you with not not only the blocking and tackling, as we talked about before, and that matchmaking of those loads within a specific circle and, and building those those good business relationships and good economic and ecological decisions uh, in those in that route optimization, but also bringing together those different platforms and bringing about the efficiencies and the transparencies of different siloed data to help make that come to fruition. Right. Absolutely. We, we strongly believe in interoperability. It, it's a network of networks. Uh, we strongly believe in sharing data to make sure that, you know, we get that visibility that we need, not only on ETA, but basically also on capacity uh, and so on and so forth. And that's actually where digital tools and digital platforms can help a lot. Stefan, thank you so much for your time today. People who want more information about Transporion, where should we send them to? Yeah, well, visit our webpage, uh, www.transporion.com, and and you'll find a lot of green stuff on it, specifically today. Our website turned green this morning and will stay green for the rest of the day, and there is an awful lot of content coming from our uh, Sustainability Month, which was the month of March. So there's hopefully a lot of good content to, to, to be found. Oh, nice. Like literally green. It's literally green. Yeah, normally it should be yellow, but today it's green. (laughs) All right, we love it. Hey, man, take it easy. Have good times over there in Germany. We appreciate it. Thanks for coming in from across the river. Across the pond. Not a river. It's a pond, right? Yeah, it's a pond. Oh, shit, actually. Yeah. We're being honest here. All right. (laughs) Now we're going to talk to Jennifer Wong. She's the head of sustainability over at Convoy. And guess what this show's all been about? Declaring war, trimming the fat on those empty miles. Because you know what? (laughs) There is no, like, digital silver bullet that's going to save your supply chain. I mean, look, this is a supply chain. We move physical assets all over the place, right? Yes. So you use the tech, but you got to make it happen in the real world. She's actually got a really cool background, too. Uh, Real quick. She was a she's a sixth year adjunct professor at the Unity of at the University of Washington 
Foster School, where she's teaching the youth of America, maybe about the sustainable supply chains. She's also an alumni from there, where she's a professor. Few movies have been shot on that campus. War Games, 10 Things I Hate About You, and their alumni include Bruce Lee and Kenny G. Jennifer, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me today. I I love the shout out about Seattle. It's something that I'm especially proud of today. I'm sure you know uh, the founder of Earth Day is actually from the Seattle area. Yes, I can't say that enough today. (laughs) We were talking. We were talking about that in the in the open of the show. We're going to talk about empty miles, but we have covered that a lot today. So I want to ask you first, though, just as a professor teaching supply chain, what are some of the concerns that your students are talking to you about and what kind of issues concern them? You know, one thing that I'm excited about is sustainability is really coming up more and more in conversations and questions. And I think alongside that, a lot of students are realizing that data and technology is a huge part of solving the problems in supply chain as well. So there's actually new courses now where there's data primers to be able to understand how to utilize data because it's relevant for any function of a business, especially supply chain. Talk about the real quick to add on to that. Interesting, because you're talking about two marketing classes that you're doing, right? And helping people get back and get into marketing. How important is that that CSR with the the sustainability and, and going green to the marketing process for a company? Sure. I think corporate sustainability has been really critical today, especially as consumers are really demanding it, as businesses are trying to reach more consumers and they're trying to, to, trying to do a lot of listening. They're hearing that uh, consumers want more sustainable choices to, to be made today. So they're actually changing their whole product lines, the way that they think about their supply chains, the way that they think about distribution to, to get it to the end customer. Um, so I do think a lot of that messaging and listening it is an aspect of marketing. So I think sustainability, when I've read you know, hundreds of reports at, at, this t- at this point of time and talked with a lot of sustainability leaders, they all might have different priorities in, in terms of maybe improving the, the health and wellness of their uh, workers. Others might want to reduce physical waste. But I think there's a very common goal of mitigating climate change. And that's why I do think, I'll mention it again, that uh, there is a problem of empty miles. And I do think it's a, it, it is a critical area that every business needs to take a look at. Why do you think they don't take a look at empty miles? I know it's becoming a bigger issue with Final Mile, but it's always been one in LTL. A lot of cases, it's been one in over the road with, mm. with deadheads sending equipment back and forth without you know any real strategy or logic behind it. The tech exists. Why do you think it's 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 been hard, at least traditionally, to convince stakeholders that this is something they should care about? Because it costs them money. Right, it does. I, I do think it starts with the, the consumer and driving awareness there. I think when I joined the freight industry, I was really shocked and learned that if I was driving down the highway, that 18-wheeler sitting next to me a third of the time, there's nothing in that trailer. I think it might do us a lot of good if those trailers were glass windows. Then every single person would recognize <laughs> that a third of all of those trucks on the highway don't have anything in it. I think the visibility is just really difficult when you don't have consumers actually seeing the problem. But I think as we talk about it more and more often, consumers can recognize that that this is an opportunity to improve as well. And then I also think that helps drive business change because a lot of businesses are changing and, and faster today, really integrating sustainability into their business practices because of the consumer demand there. 
As we talk about the empty miles, and Duner brought up LTL as well, right? So it's not yeah. just empty miles moving down the road, right? Empty miles are lost cube utilization, right? Maybe it's only halfway right. full. Can you talk about that? Like the definition of actual empty miles, right? Is it just empty trucks moving or portions as well? I think I, I agree with you. It is portions as well. I think the uh, biggest area that we see in terms of the opportunity to improve is with that full truckload. So if you are already filling that truckload to capacity and trying to figure out the best way uh, to look at utilization, because the industry is so fragmented, if I was shipping that truckload from one location to another, I can't necessarily collaborate with someone on the other side who may need that truck to, to ship it back in my direction. So I do think that's been a benefit of Convoy and us using technology to really look at all of these data points at once across multiple shippers. I see it as this kind of an intermediary to be able to connect the dots across the entire ecosystem. Whereas today, two companies might not necessarily be talking with each other in that way to be able to, to communicate and reduce those empty miles that, that are being hauled. So at, as head of sustainability at, at Convoy, what kind of role do you play internally to make sure some of these goals are met and also to help shippers and, and you know, shippers and carriers make those goals? Sure. I think it's a um, it's a really exciting role here at Convoy, especially because we think about sustainability and, and two parallel paths. We think about us as employees, how we want to measure and make progress against our own environmental and social impact areas where we're writing and publishing a, a sustainability report for ourselves this year. We recently committed to joining the Climate Pledge to be able to reach net zero carbon emissions for ourselves. But a lot of the work, uh, not only for myself, but every employee at Convoy is really focused on improving sustainability for the entire trucking industry. So we have so many products, programs, and partnerships to really enable more visibility so that uh, businesses and, and truck drivers and carriers can make more sustainable decisions uh, as they're choosing to, to work with us. I love the efforts and I, and I love the, 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 the thoughts behind this. So what, what's next on the radar for Convoy in this, in this arena? We're always looking uh, to really look for opportunities to reduce e even more waste. I think as we start to have more and more conversations with transportation leaders who are caring about sustainability, which is more these days, and I really see that as very encouraging, they're telling us kind of what their challenges are. We're able to collaborate on new ideas. Um, and I really do have to give one one shout out to a customer of ours, Ardog Group. Their leadership team uh, on the transportation side, as well as sustainability, has really incorporated sustainability throughout their entire business. They're one of the biggest glass and manufacturer companies in the world, but they're taking every step um, that they can identify to be able to reduce waste throughout their supply chain. Uh, so it's really been a pleasure working with that team. Jennifer, it, you know, it starts with you. It starts culturally. It's, it starts at the schools and getting people to really want this to happen. The themes, you know, that we're hearing today on the show is that, you know, a lot of this stuff already exists. There's not you don't have to wait around for it. You can start reducing these things now. You can make that impact now. You, we just right. have to want to. You have to make that real world and the digital come together, make it happen. People who want to connect with you. How would they go about doing so? They can easily go to Convoy's website. So convoy.com, you'll find a lot more information about our business and our commitment to sustainability. Thank you very much. We appreciate your time today. Take care. 
So, Michael Vincent, we have a uh, – this has been a great event. We do these What oh, the yeah. Trucks all the time. Like we said, usually Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays. we got That's another right. one coming up Friday at noon Eastern time. One of the series we started doing this year was the How to Be a Truckerpreneur series. You know, everyone yeah. getting side gigs, taking a part of that, starting a business under a business. It's become super, super popular, yeah. especially with younger people. Well, one of our guests, Melissa Gaglione, great guest. She, she started a company called Safety for Her. She's, uh, she was in the tow truck industry, towing industry. She she said, you know what? All the clothes that are made for towing are designed for men. They're super boxy, triple XL, 5XL. Nothing really cut for a woman. Nothing flattering, at least. Yeah, no, and I, and I love what she's doing there. I love the thought process there, but I also love to see these. Uh, I love to see truckerpreneurs. Yeah. One, because I'm in this industry, and I love them, and, and truckers are, are awesome. They keep things moving, keep us alive. But I love to see the entrepreneurs that are doing something. They didn't say, well, you know what? I'm being an entrepreneur to make a ton of money. They saw a problem and they're solving it, right? Yeah. They've got that passion inside them. They're the best. She didn't just sit around, you know, going, ah, well, it's, it, you know, it's too bad for me. There's no clothes. She's, yeah. she's doing something about it. I think that's super cool. Yeah. We're also going to hear from Javon Bryant. He's uh, the director of carrier development over at Edge Logistics. We'll get to hear a little bit about how contract carrier development's going on. And Ryan Rusnick, he's a CTO over at Airspace Technologies, big show for you coming up. This has been a great Earth Day, too. And, and on FreightWaves.com, she mentioned the websites, people turning their websites green. We have a ton of articles up about sustainability today, not just from the event. And one of them that we have up was talk was taking some quotes from some industry leaders. So maybe we can leave you here with a couple. One yeah. of them was from Mike McAllister, our editor-in-chief over here in FreightWaves. And he said, just over 100 companies, including 50 announced today, have signed the Climate Pledge, an Amazon-led initiative to reach net zero emissions by 2040. Certainly by Earth Day 2022. And this is what people want to see happen within a year. So we're not talking 10 years out, just by right. 2022. That number should be doubled, although 500 signatures would make an even bigger impact. Yeah, it'd be great. I'd like to see a 1,000 myself. Amen, Mike McAllister. And the CEO, co-founder of Rufus Labs, uh, Gabe Graffoni, said, I would like to see companies reduce their employee carbon footprint by over 50% by allowing non-essential employees to work from anywhere. Additionally, utilize more local last-mile delivery and pickup to reduce packing and filler needs for shipping and lower the carbon footprint of 3PL providers. Beautiful. And you right know what? On. That's another example. Talking about cutting those empty miles, but also cutting your own employee mile, exactly. miles. We all had a year to figure out how to work remotely. Now, there's some things you got to do in the office. We fully understand. There's a lot you can do, too. Go to FreightWaves.com. Check those out. We're going to lunch now. Go to the icebreaker. Make some friends. Just scroll down right between, under the feed. Click on the icebreaker button. Find me on Twitter, at Timothy Dunas, D-O-O-N-E-R. Find him at Vince and the Dude. Stick around. We've got plenty more event coming at you. And the winner of that Cannondale bike.